Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Autain. I'm a business coach on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. So I thought, why not talk to entrepreneurs and ask them the right questions? I make sure to alternate between a male and a female guest every week. I hope their answers will inspire you. This podcast is available on all your favorite platforms. If you enjoy it, there are three ways you can help me make it bigger. One, subscribe. Two, share your favorite episode on social media. Three, buy me a pizza. Blog on my website, laurentnotin.com slash podcast and click on the icon, buy me a pizza. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for listening. My guest today is Robin Witch Early, interior architect and founder of E2 Design, an interior design company based in Helsinki, Finland. Robin designs workplaces for global, global organizations. Hey, Robin, thank you very much for joining me today. Good morning, Lauren. Thank you so much for inviting me. No problem at all. So let's start. Tell us a little bit about your journey towards becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, wow. So it's, um, I guess before I jump in, I just want to say it's a real uh, privilege to be invited on your show and kind of humbling. Nice. So thanks so much for that. And um, I don't know whether we should forewarn your listeners that uh, maybe they've tuned in to hear a a uh, traditional story of a uh, heroic entrepreneur who <laughs> built up a company, you know. There's no traditional story and, when it comes to entrepreneurship. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And sold for, uh, for millions and, uh, you know, now spends time in uh, yoga retreats and uh, investing in startups. I'm afraid I don't have a tail light up for your <laughs> listeners today. Um, <laughs> but uh, hopefully not too disappointing. Um, if I tell about my uh, my little journey into to entrepreneurship, and I'm very welcome to, uh, you know, very very pleased to uh, to share share my story. So, and I suppose the the starting of that can be traced back to uh, when when my wife and I moved to Finland back uh, back in 2003. Mm. Uh, prior to that, I'd studied architecture in uh, in Britain. And I'd been working for several years in architects' offices in uh, in Nottingham, in the middle of England. And I suppose that we we had a nice little setup there. We were very very comfortable. Both had uh, full time jobs, and we were quite quite settled. Really, no no uh, real real reason to move, other than uh, we had this experience of visiting Finland. Back then, we were coming every summer and every winter, and uh, of course had this. Uh, quite idealistic view of what Finland might be like. We saw it at the, the peak moments, you know, the endless summer days and winter wonderland. And we always had this feeling that at some point we really should try it. And uh, why not now? So back then in the early 2000s, we decided to, to take the plunge and, uh, and move out here. 
Mm. And I suppose that move has um, a lot to do with, uh, is uh, what put me on the, the journey that I've been on. So my uh, first uh, first plan was just to try and replicate the kind of work that I already had in, in England. So uh, prior to moving out here, we made a little preliminary trip. I guess it was about a month before or something like that. And uh, back in those days, I was feeling pretty confident that I was pretty employable. You know, I was getting mm. different job offers and moving around between companies in Britain quite a bit. And I figured it would be easy to slide into a, a similar organization in Helsinki. But that wasn't to be the case. Um, so I had a little bit of a, a surprise when I was uh, knocking on doors of architectural firms here and found that uh, nobody was really interested in this uh, this English guy coming to work for them. Right. So then I had to think of another another solution. And um, back then, this was just at the advent of um, huge changes in technology. And for the first time, we had kind of uh, online communication tools. So back in 2003, this was pre-social media, mm. pre-Skype even, which I think was invented around 2003. 2003 but wasn't prevalent till several years later we're before facebook before dropbox before all the online tools that we just take for granted today um, but still apple had brought out um, um, power books which were fast enough to run architectural software on so it was possible to be a little bit mobile and they also had iChat software which meant mm -hmm. you could uh, could chat online and I figured that um, this combination might mean that uh, my previous employer might be up for experimenting with uh, working remotely. So um, back then we, uh, we moved out here armed with my little uh, MacBook and uh, I continued working for quite a while for companies in, uh, in England. And uh, it worked pretty well. Right. It worked pretty well. Um, of course, Finland wasn't quite uh, quite what we expected to be. Not all <laughs> sunshine or deep snow. Um, and actually working remotely then was quite beneficial because, as you have probably found out, how long have you been in, uh, in Finland now? Uh, nearly two years. Okay. Okay. So you've been through the cycle of the, the yes. seasons enough times now to, to know that there is a lot of time between uh, between perfect summer and perfect winter. Indeed. Um, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, but uh, working remotely um, gave me some flexibility and that was really beneficial, I found, here. Uh, when we have days when uh, the sun doesn't show until after nine o'clock, maybe not until 10 o'clock sometimes in the winter mm. and disappears again, before the end of the workday, it meant that I was able to be a little bit flexible in how I worked and actually get out and enjoy the fresh air during the middle part of the day. And it kind of felt like I dodged a bullet, really. The idea of having, um, you know, I'd have jumped up the chance back then to take a full-time job. Um, but I soon realized that it would be incredibly hard for me personally to live in Finland, um, having sort of sold those peak hours of the day during the winter months and, and not have that flexibility to uh, to get outside and make the most of what little daylight there is. Um, so from a, a uh, geographical point of view, this worked mm. pretty well. 
And of right. course, as time went by, the, the tools got easier and easier and it got um, more simple to work, uh, work with people back in the UK. Right. So you come to the country, you thought you could find a job, you, were, you were not able to find a job. So you thought, all right, let's, let's be like a freelancer. Let's start with, uh, exactly. let's start with uh, my, uh, my previous boss. Uh, you find that this is actually quite uh, a comfortable uh, position because you, like you said, you can work uh, at the time you want and enjoy and enjoy the little type of sun during winter, for example. So you kind of, you know, independent. I, I guess that was one of the and free, and, and free. That was one of the the, the benefits. Absolutely, yeah. But still with some security, yeah, because yeah. I had a, right. a nice uh, a, a deal set up with the, the company back in England. And so, right. uh, yeah, it was quite a comfortable way, to, a sort of gradual way to move to a new country. Mm. But would you that describe yourself probably. as an entrepreneur at that time? Or no, I, mean, what's I wouldn't say that. Now no. and, and, and before? When yeah, so back then it was more like I was just kind of freelancing, but basically behaving as if I had a, a full-time job. Um, when right. it came to the amount of work I was doing and, and the way that I worked. Um, but uh, over time, I started to do freelancing for companies in Helsinki too. Mm. And I found that even though these architectural firms were perhaps not interested in taking on, uh, on this new employee, they were uh, happy when they were busier to, uh, to give freelancing tasks to me. So that was quite a nice way to put the feelers out and, and uh, build up a network of uh, friends and colleagues around Helsinki by networking, um, by freelancing in, uh, in several different architectural firms. Mm. Um, and I started doing that maybe two or three years after I moved here, something like that. And, uh, and that went on for, for two or three more years, I suppose. So for a while I had this uh, sort of freelancing role uh, with several different customers and one of those still being back in, uh, back in England, but most of them, um, based in Helsinki region. And then what's next? What's next? Yeah. yeah so I, I suppose that at some point um, during this, uh, this time of freelancing for architectural companies, I started to work for one interior design office. Uh, and in that company, we started to do, or I started to do interiors for workplaces. And I think something clicked at that point. Um, I, I kind of found my, found my thing. Mm. Um, and so it was only natural then to start to try and, uh, and uh, take on those kind of projects for myself without being um, a freelancer for another company, but to work directly for, for organizations. Um, and I suppose it was quite natural um, being a Brit here um, that I could work quite easily with international organizations. And soon I started to build, build up quite a nice client base of um, global companies who have a, quite a small foot in Finland mm. um, and uh, help them develop their workplaces, whether that's uh, upgrading their existing workplace or making some changes there or helping them move to a new location, which is uh, the more normal, more normal way that we work. Mm. And that's been a lot of fun. And today, what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, to be an entrepreneur, I suppose, for me, it's about um, being independent mm. and having the, the possibility to, uh, to control my own, uh, my own journey and my own destiny um, and to kind of create uh, 
the life that I want to to lead. And I suppose this goes back to what I was saying at the start, that I'm not somebody who has um, the desire to build up a big organization um, and to create something which is uh, something that can be sold. Um, what I've created is something which is more what I call a lifestyle business. Mm. So it's about supporting the life that I want to lead, um, about having a comfortable life and being able to control how I spend my time, which has meant that um, I've been able to spend a lot of time with my family. Um, I haven't had too many stressful commitments. Um, and I have um, flexibility and, and independence. Um, and so I suppose for that reason, you could say that uh, this is uh, a lifestyle business and uh, there's certainly no uh, exit strategy in, uh, right. in this case. It's, I like it because, you know, we live in a world now where you have the impression uh, with all this startup coming out and the VC world that, you know, you must build the, the next Facebook or the next Google. And there's only, only one path. It's to grow, 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 grow and make as much money as you can on the way. <laughs> what you're saying is no i'm not going to do that at all <laughs> i'm just going to stay what i would say small maybe yeah uh, but Very but so. to the point where i can enjoy my life but also uh, keep control of what i want to do with my free time right that's exactly it that's exactly it yeah and how to in integrate the two so um obviously as a designer the work i do is incredibly enjoyable um and i find it phenomenally rewarding the work that i do to be able to work with organizations get to know the people involved mm. and really help them to move from a workspace which is maybe uninspiring um maybe quite even quite depressing in some cases and help them to create a fantastic new working environment which is something which inspires them and gives new meaning to their work. Um, this, is, this is phenomenally um, rewarding and inspiring process for me and, and something that I wouldn't want, to, wouldn't want to, to give up at all. And I think if I was to try and create an organization which was um, something which was gonna grow into something much bigger than just my little consulting firm as it is now, then I would probably lose that contact and, and lose that uh, lose that feeling. So it's really nice to be involved in in um, in the, the customer relations that I uh, that I enjoy now. So and at the same time, I have a, a little team around me, mm -hmm. uh, mainly consultants. So I keep the organisation very flexible and and agile, and I can bring in really talented people that way. People who are also a little entrepreneurial and working as consultants. Um, And it means that we can handle huge projects, but still keep my little setup very, uh, very agile and very light as well. Right. And it also means that you, you can select the clients you want to work with, right? Because I guess Absolutely. you will not, you say, you say you, you can handle huge projects, but you're not going to handle like dozens of huge projects a year because then you would lose that lifestyle uh, business. Uh, that's life. right yes right. that's right so um we try to just do a handful of projects each year and that means that i can keep that control and really be deeply involved in each of those 
And so, yes, that does mean being a little bit selective about, uh, about who we work with. Um, and I think normally at the start of these projects, it's quite clear who we fit with. Um, some organizations, maybe they, they're more comfortable working with bigger design firms who have huge amounts of resources. Um, but quite often I find the companies who approach me, they're looking for a more personal solution. Mm. And even though we're talking about working with large corporations, at the end of the day, it's very much person-to-person -person business that um, our, con our uh, contact is normally um, a real estate manager who may be in, in Finland, but more often than not is sitting outside Finland in, uh, in Britain or Germany or the States. Um, and um, having that kind of personal connection to these people um, is really important. And I think it's, it's normally quite obvious at the start whether or not there's the fit there, whether or not they appreciate the way in which I'm working mm. and, uh, and value that. So That's another thing that strikes me is that you're very, very clear about who your clients are. That's something that's developed over time, for right. sure. Um, it hadn't been instantly obvious on day one. But now I've been working with, um, with my organization for a little more than 10 years now. Over time, that's become more and more, more, and more apparent um, that there's a certain type of customer who really value us and that we give the best, uh, best benefit to. Mm. It is very inspiring for me because I'm trying, I'm trying to achieve the same, you know, this lifestyle business. I don't want to be big. <laughs> I just want to, to, to have enough um, clients in, in a year so that I can live the life that I want. Of course, I am at a stage where I'm not there yet. So I need, I need to go a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more. But sometimes, you know, I used to work for other companies. I used to, to work to, to run businesses on, on behalf of others. And sometimes I have these in my mind, my conscious is talking to me and say, oh no, you know, instead of going for a walk or instead, or instead of enjoying your, the sun outside, you should work and work, 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 you know? And I have a lot of difficulty to cope with that. Have you felt the same before? Absolutely. And how did you overcome that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I think I've learned along the way that there is a tendency to, to try and be your, your best employee, right? That you mm. feel like you've got to really, really put in the hours and, uh, and, and be extremely dedicated. And, and of course, to some extent you have, um, but you also have to be a great boss as being an entrepreneur, a boss for yourself, I mean. So you have to really wear two hats and, and know when to wear which one. So I think it's really important that you can listen to yourself and your own needs and know when to give yourself a break, know when to, to, to kind of acknowledge that maybe that moment in the day isn't the time when you're at your peak. Maybe you're uh, sitting, pushing yourself to achieve something and it's just not working. So why not close the laptop, close your computer, get outside for an hour, uh, enjoy finished nature. Mm. If there's a, a, a good break in the weather to be able to do that, um, and then come back fresh after an hour or two. And that's something that, um, that I've really learned to, uh, 
to do. And I guess it's partly the Finnish climate that makes me do that. But um, I suppose it's also an understanding that if I'm not looking after myself, then nobody else is going to. Um, and to be able to achieve, you really need to uh, to look after yourself both physically and mentally. And, and for me, that means integrating some some exercise into my day. So quite often you might uh, you might uh, try try calling me and not get an answer because I've uh, bombed off on my bike for an hour or something right. like that. So right. So take taking care of yourself. Because if you cannot take care of yourself, then you cannot take care of others, of your business, of your clients, etc. Absolutely, yeah, that has to come come as a priority to look after you, look after your own health first, and otherwise, nothing else is going to work right. You you can't um, you can't be uh, committed to your to uh, looking after your family or achieving your your goals in your your business if you're you're not able to perform. So. Nice. The crossfitter in me likes it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that one would appeal to you. <laughs> But it's a good transition to, to my next question, because earlier on, you, you talk about uh, the impact of office design on people's well-being and also mental health. And this is something that I've not talked about before. And maybe we okay. don't realize the importance of having like a nice office design. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? And yeah, do you see sure. any, any changes in the future with, no, uh, with the COVID, the, 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 the pandemic? Uh, do you think there will be more of an hybrid model? Yeah, so this is, uh, of course, a super hot topic right mm. now with the changes that COVID have, have brought on. Um, so as we're... As we're speaking, early in the summer in uh, 2021, we've already been through more than one year of people working a lot remotely. Um, when talking of, uh, of office workers, um, and we've been having a lot of research, seen a lot of research done, uh, a lot of studies into how people are working and how they're planning to work in future. And I've been consulting with quite a few organizations about what kind of physical changes need to be made or could be made um, to, to, um, to help with new ways of working. And I think how people have, um, have coped with this has varied greatly on the person. I suppose the demographics have a great deal to do with uh, how organizations cope uh, for, for knowledge workers who are maybe a little bit more mature and maybe more established in their company. This is not being a difficult change to handle and maybe some people have found working from home has allowed them to be more productive than they were in the office mm -hmm. of course a lot of people are enjoying skipping the commute and um, for, for those kind of people having a second place to work at home hasn't necessarily been too too difficult so on one hand we have this group who are maybe not missing the office environment too much and certainly don't want to return there on a full-time basis Uh, and then on the opposite end of this of the spectrum, there's younger people, um, maybe less senior in organizations. Maybe they rely more on having mentors in their company and being able to learn from, from those around them. And maybe they live in more urban environments and have smaller apartments and not such great working environments at home. And, um, and they might be more isolated and they've really been struggling. 
So there's these kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum and of course everything else in between. Mm. Um, but for companies to find a solution that suits both of these uh, or all or that suits everybody is, uh, mm. is quite a challenge. Um, I think what we're going to see is offices being adapted so that they are less about providing ideal workplaces for individual work and more about providing ideal locations for teams to come together so right. that people can, can share ideas, um, have workshops, do brainstorming, this kind of thing in the office environment. And then it might well be that they can choose to do focused individual work at home um, or maybe in a third place as well. I think we're going to see more and more co-working places pop up. Mm -hmm. um, this is certainly true around Helsinki already. Um, and I think they're going to become integrated into people's workplace uh, setup more and more. So I guess we're going to see a lot of, we, we hear a lot of talk of the hybrid model where people are able to choose a little bit where they work. Maybe they spend some days a week at home and skip the commute entirely. Maybe they spend some days in the office so that they can get the benefit of working with their team. And then maybe some organizations will encourage and allow people to, to work some days in a third place as well. So maybe you get some social contact, a better working environment in a co-working near your home without having to, uh, to commute to the, to the headquarters. Um, and this is, uh, this is something that a lot of the organizations are, are planning to, to implement. Um, and of course, it depends a little bit about what sector they're in, whether or not um, having people working remotely is, uh, is easy to do, easy to do or not. But mm. um, I think we're going to see that as, uh, as a trend. There's also been a lot of discussion about the size of workplaces, whether they can become a little bit smaller because uh, people are not necessarily working there 100% of the time. And we're going to see that happen quite a, little, quite a lot. Um, and um, because of that, organizations can make a saving because they're not leasing so much space. So maybe it means they can move their office to a, a better location as a result. So quite a lot of moving around ahead, I think. We're yeah. going to see organizers shifting and, and changing their setup quite a bit. Um, whether or not this is caused by COVID is a little bit unclear. I think this is the way that that uh, workplace design was going anyway, and mm -hmm. some organisations were already um, having systems implemented where people could work remotely if they wanted to. And uh, Helsinki government, for example, provides fifty percent seating compared to the number of, of staff. So these ways of working weren't completely alien anyway, and uh, most organisations were probably moving in that direction. So I guess uh, COVID has been probably a catalyst for other organizations to follow in the, in those footsteps. Right. Can, can you share two, three practical tips about, you know, how to have like uh, a nice office design? I mean, I hear the birds in the background. <laughs> at your place, <laughs> yeah, so. And I, and I, and I feel that this is part of your mental, uh, mental uh, well-being. Uh, being being able to work at home, you know, opening opening the door because the weather is very nice today, and you just want to enjoy the moment. But if I live in an apartment and I have to I have to work remotely as an entrepreneur in an apartment, what can I do to in, 
to have a better office space. Right. So when you're working remotely, yeah. Um, so when we're designing workplaces, quite often we're designing what we call activity-based workplaces. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that instead of just having one specific desk where you spend your whole time, you have an unassigned desk so everybody can, uh, can share and you have many different types of seating. And the idea is then that you can choose where you sit depending on the task that you're doing, depending on the activity. So it might mean that you choose a small focus room or a kind of library zone, which is quiet if you're focusing on writing a report. Um, but then you could sit in a cafe area if you're doing teamwork or you could um, book a room which has got um, kind of a couch in it and uh, big right. whiteboards if you want to do brainstorming or whatever. So you can choose the space depending on the task. And I think trying to recreate activity-based working at home is the, is the best way to do it. So rather than just having one spot, which is where you work, um, you can use your entire home. Even if you have a relatively small apartment, you can find ways that you could sit at a desk or kitchen table to do some of your, your work, but then move around and use your laptop on the, on the sofa um, as I'm doing now. Mm. So in my home, I have a, a designated office area um, with, uh, with work table where I can do design work and I have everything around me I, I need for doing uh, design work. Um, but um, depending on exactly what I'm doing, uh, for example, what I'm doing right now uh, means I can pick up the laptop and make a move to the sofa and sit mm. somewhere different. So it's not about just being sort of locked in the same same seat and same sitting position all day. So having a variety, I think, is, is key. And of course, that doesn't nice. necessarily mean just in your own home. No reason why you can't um, take your headphones and have a, a Skype call when you're out for a walk, a walk for example. Okay, earlier on, you um, talk about taking the importance of taking care of, your, of yourself. Are there any other lessons that you have learned in your entrepreneurship journey? Yeah, great question. Um, now my mind is racing. You know, I'm uh, kind of uh, obsessed with uh, reading, reading business books and, mm -hmm. and uh, enjoying podcasts and uh, what I've heard to as edutainment these days. Um, so no shortage of nuggets there. I suppose yeah. from my own personal experience, the, 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 uh, the event which has impacted me the most was moving to Finland because it took me totally out of my comfort zone. Mm. So I was really comfortable back in England following a path which was really predefined, going through an education system and then working my way up inside architectural organizations. And it was a very clear, very safe, predefined uh, pre path. As soon as I moved to Finland, I was totally out of my comfort zone in every way. Um, and I think that is something which has been really, uh, really helped to open my mind about the possibilities, really changed my perspective on, on what my role is, how I fit in, who I can help, what I should be doing. Um, so I think if someone was to ask what advice I would give, it would be to make some kind of change. Of course, moving within Europe is not necessarily a very radical change to make. 
compared to to uh, the changes that some people make in their lives. But I think doing something different to get out of your comfort zone and make mm. things a little bit hard for yourself and and challenge yourself is uh, is maybe the most valuable valuable thing that's happened to me. And usually, I ask this question about you know um, I ask my guests this question about the, the the big dream for your business. In your case, I'm very curious about the answer, considering that you build this lifestyle lifestyle business so what's your dream yeah i don't know the it's a, it's a great uh, it's a great question because i certainly don't have this uh, this goal to kind of sell and stop doing what i'm doing mm. um i suppose my dream is just to keep doing it and doing more of it um despite working um alone in a lot of uh, situations I really like working with others and it's great fun having uh, my little team of consultants who join me for different projects so I think doing trying to do more of that and uh, and and doing more teamwork is something that I hope to do um, but yeah no no big um, big dreams for big uh, big changes to be honest and If you had to take all your experience and put that into one recommendation for other entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, what would it be? The situation I'm in is because I've been able to analyze a lot about myself and try to understand who I am and what makes me tick and, and what my goals are. And as you mentioned earlier, there's, there's kind of pressure to Um, follow this route of entrepreneurship where it's about uh, about growing and trying to get more uh, and trying to be bigger and mm. for me of course I've had to try and and leverage my time and try to to build up what I've I've been doing so that I can can live a, a reasonably comfortable and and stress-free life um, but um, at the same time um I've kind of avoided the, the, the growth mentality, if you like, this um, needing to be bigger and, and, and this more approach. Yeah. Um, so, and that's come from being comfortable with, with myself and what I enjoy doing and understanding that and, um, and not trying to fit in with other people's definitions of, of what success are, I suppose, in that, in that respect and having my own, my own definition that I'm comfortable with. And, and uh, I guess that revolves around being independent, having freedom and uh, being able to spend time with my, my kids, be very present at home and, and uh, have a comfortable, comfortable existence. Beautiful, because I wanted to ask you the question, what is, what is success for, for you? And you just answered. Ah, okay. <laughs> But it's, it is an important question because I talk to some entrepreneurs and they get stuck and they're like, they're kind of successful, but they feel like, you know, they should get somewhere else, but they're not too sure if they should get there or not. And what you're saying is like, well, why don't you stay where you are? You know, that's that's enough for me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I think staying where I am from um, from a from a mental point of view is uh, is definitely the goal. Um, of course, it would be nice to to continue to have uh, 
little bit bigger projects and get to work with a few more collaborators and, and grow a little bit in that respect. But um, no major changes, certainly no desire to be, uh, to be bought or join with some, you know, some mega corporation or something like that. So, mm. yeah, stay where, stay where I am in that respect. <laughs> it doesn't sound so, uh, so um, ambitious, but um, yeah. But that's my ambition. Stay where I am. Exactly. This is, <laughs> Thanks, this, is your own, this is your own ambition. Yeah. Ex exactly. Yeah. Uh, earlier on in the conversation, you mentioned uh, you were consuming a lot of podcasts and books. Could yes. you recommend? Could you recommend some? The Personal MBA, and I'm trying to remember who's written the Personal MBA, but that is absolutely chock full of incredible takeaways. It's like 100 books in one. Mm -hmm. um, And this may be all anybody would ever really need. Um, okay, it's by Josh Kaufman. I was Googling at the same time. So The Personal MBA by Josh Kaufman is probably my, my go-to book okay. uh, when I'm looking for some uh, inspiration or want to flick through something. That's something which I pick up time and time again. My show is called uh, Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. So have you cracked the code? I don't know. In my own small way, I've cracked, cracked my own personal code of entrepreneurship, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. How can people contact you? Um, they can contact me through my company website, which uh, you can find my contact details there, which is uh, itudesign.com, or one word. And um, they can find me on LinkedIn uh, through, uh, through my name, Robin Witcherly. And I guess you can have some link in the podcast so people can find me that way. Yes. Well, Robin, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks so much, Lauren. It's really been a, a pleasure to chat to you today and uh, get to answer all the questions that, uh, of course, I've been thinking about for many years when I'm so interested in uh, business and, and business development and never thought anyone would actually bother to ask me. So really, uh, <laughs> really appreciate that. <laughs> nice, nice to hear. And thank you all for listening. Before you leave, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. See you next time. Bye-bye.